Hey, everybody. <laughs> Good to see y'all. Uh, welcome to the seven steps to awakening and out of the stillness. Um, we're going to start today with 262, which I don't know if you remember last week. Uh, I showed you how long it is. Remember at the very end, I said, okay, let's go to the next one. Then I said, oh, no, no, no. We only have, we only have like five or 10 minutes and it was super long. But now we have an all out, whole hour, so <laughs> so we can begin. Uh, so it's uh, quote number 262. Uh, it's Sri Anamalai Swami. And uh, here it goes. Again, it's a long one. So, you know, uh, I'll read it slowly so that we can kind of digest it as I read. Mind and body are like the tongue and teeth in the mouth. They have to work in harmony with each other. The teeth do not fight with the tongue and bite it. Mind and body should combine in the same harmonious way. However, if we want to go beyond the body, beyond the mind, we have to understand and fully accept that all the information the senses provide is not real. Like the mirage that produces an illusory oasis in the desert, the senses create the impression that there is a real world in front of us that is being perceived by the mind. The apparent reality of the world is an illusion. It is merely a misperception. When the mind perceives a snake, where in reality there is only a rope, this is clearly a case of the senses projecting an imaginary image unto a real substratum. This, on a much larger scale, is how the unreal appearance of the world is projected by the mind and the senses unto the underlying reality of the self. Once this happens, we see the superimposition the unreal names and forms we have created. And we forget about the substratum, the reality that underlies them. All right, well, I'm gonna go straight to, um, that was pretty clear. So I'm gonna go straight to my journal number 262. It is a gross error to identify with the body and then make the body behave as if there is no world. To force behavior without any shift in identification will only result in, in additional suffering. Practice shifting attention from belief in the world to awareness of present being. Let the body be natural, in harmony with attention. All right, so um, as you all know, when we're looking at Out of the Stillness, we're looking at my personal journal, which means we're looking at what I said to myself after contemplating the quote. So I contemplated this quote, um, which talks about going beyond the body. And it says that the way to go beyond the body is to see that the, the world, that the, the many things of the world, that all of that is an illusion and that what's really here is one essence. So as I was contemplating that, what occurred to me was that a mistake that I've made and a mistake that I think other spiritual students have also made is because we read and because we hear and because we learn that the world is not real. We start saying to ourselves, the world is not real before it's an actual experience. And then maybe out of guilt, um, 
we start trying to act as if the world isn't real when that isn't our actual experience. You know, I, I've heard these crazy stories that and I'm sure I've told them a million times, but like someone once told me about some person who decided if the world is not real, that he should be able to drive with his eyes closed. You know, I don't know. I don't know the end of that story. I don't know if the person did it. I don't know what happened to him. I just remember the, the ridiculousness of that and recognizing that in my own way, I've been just as ridiculous, right? It's like this insanity that comes over us when we're trying to reconcile um, the teaching with the belief in the teaching, with the trust in the teaching, even though it's not yet our experience. It's kind of like trying to skip steps, right? <laughs> so I contemplated all this and then I looked at it and in my own journal, I said, you know, this is a mistake. In fact, I said, this is a gross error. Oh, I know another example. This is a, a very sad example and I've seen it happen more than once. Um, I've known people who were diagnosed with cancer. And because of the spiritual teaching that the world is not real, the body is not real, I am not the body. They, because of that teaching, they chose um, not to get any kind of treatment out of some kind of a, out of some kind of a warped idea that if they, if they don't follow the treatment, if they don't believe in the cancer enough to get treatment, then they're aligned with truth and the treatment and the cancer will be healed. And in the two times I can think of right now, um, they actually, I can think of three, uh, of course they died. So, um, it's a funny, it's a funny path we walk because in a way uh, we, we do these foolish things in whatever way we do them because we want so much to trust the teaching. We want to put our faith with the teaching, but somehow we're putting um, believing out there instead of faith. We've got believing and faith confused. You know, there's another quote somewhere. It's probably right here in the seven steps to awakening. It seems like it's Nizargadatta, but I could be wrong. But there's another quote somewhere that says something about um, trust the teacher enough to follow the practices. Right? That's how we put our faith out there. We trust the teacher enough to follow the practices. So again, what I wrote in my journal as I contemplated all of this was, it's a gross error to identify with the body. And, and I remember saying last week, I don't remember if it was here or if it was in retreat because I was in retreat last week. But I remember saying last week that our identification with the body is at a subconscious level, right? This isn't something that I can read in a book, accept as true on an intellectual level and break that identification, right? It just doesn't happen that way. So the fact that I have intellectual knowledge that the body is not real, that I am not the body, that the world is not real, does not mean that that subconscious connection is not still in place. And if that subconscious connection, that subconscious identification is still in place, I am going to experience the body as if it's real. So what the practices are geared at are, are, sometimes it's hard to talk. It's like none of the words are right. <laughs> so I'm just going to say it. And if they're not right, y'all, you, you know, get the point anyway. Okay. <laughs> so what the practices are intended to do is to place attention in such a way that at the subconscious level, this identification is getting worked on. 
and at some point broken. So we aren't really putting faith in the teachings when we don't go to the doctor. Um, we're putting faith with the teachings when we practice awareness, watching awareness, for example, inquiring into our beliefs, for example, when we, we, we do these different practices, that's putting faith with the teachings. And the ego has us confused about that. The ego says, oh, if you trusted these teachings, you know, you wouldn't go to the doctor. You wouldn't take that medicine, you know, even mental health medicine. Some people really need that right now. And, and to stop taking that is going to develop, you know, problems for them, right? Extra problems they don't need. They could even focus on their spiritual practice better if they were taking their mental health medication, right? So it just becomes an additional obstacle. So it's a gross error to identify with the body and then make the body behave as if there is no world. To force behavior without any shift in identification will only result in additional suffering. And to be honest, it could even cause death. If you're driving with your eyes closed, not only your death, but maybe someone else's too, right? Practice shifting attention from belief in the world to awareness of present being. This is how we show our faith in the teachings. Practice shifting attention from the belief in the world to awareness of present being. Let the body be natural in harmony with attention. Let the body be natural in harmony with attention. You know, it's funny because I'm going to the doctor today. Um, it's not, it, it, <laughs> you know, like on the personal level, um, you know, what the mind wants to say is it's not even something I want to do. You know, like this isn't, I'm not going to the doctor because I want to. I'm going to the doctor because they sent me a text and said, come. And so, you know, the inner acceptance said, okay. <laughs> You know, so I'm going to the doctor and the doctor I'm going to is the, the skin specialist. You know, they want to check the body once a year to see if there's skin cancer. So I'm, you know, I'm going today to let the doctor look me over very closely <laughs> for skin cancer. And I'll tell you, at the human level, it's not a super comfortable experience. This is very embarrassing, but I'm just going to spit it out, you know, because I keep telling you guys I'm not enlightened and this will prove it. You want your proof? <laughs> this doctor is so cute. He is so gorgeous. <laughs> it is so hard to strip naked in front of him and let him go over this 60, almost 63-year-old body practically with a magnifying glass. <laughs> And I don't even think I have skin cancer, you know? So, but why am I going, right? <laughs> yeah, you, some of y'all understand, right? Why am I going? Because the text came that said, it's time to come. And I could feel the inner yes. End of story, right? End of story. That's letting the body be natural. You see, the mind... Didn't even have a time chance to get in there to talk about, oh, you know, this doctor and how cute he is and how embarrassing it is and how uncomfortable it is. You know, it has, nor did it have time to get in there and talk about, oh, but, you know, what if I do have skin cancer? My dad had skin cancer. And, you know, I, I know that I used to lay in the sun a lot. Heck, I used to put baby oil on my skin to attract the sun, right? <laughs> you know, it didn't have time for either of that, either side or both sides. The text cam came. I heard the inner yes. I said, yes, I have on clean underwear and I'm going. <laughs> I always have on clean underwear, but I, I did think about it a little more today. <laughs> um, that's just being that that's being natural. Being natural is just following, just paying attention for that intuition. And can I ask you guys a question? Has intuition ever told you to close your eyes while you're driving? No. The mind, the crazy mind might when it's distorting the teachings. 
but intuition never has. And what do you think the body is saying when you have some pain and there's a little lump there? You know, what is your intuition really going to say then in most cases, not in every case, I'll admit, but in most cases, go get that checked out, right? Just go get that checked out. So it's just about not listening to the stories, whether the stories are fear stories or whether the stories are spiritual stories, right? Not listening to the stories and just stepping one step after another, after another in whatever way is natural while continually shifting attention from belief in the world to awareness of present being. Just continually shifting attention from belief in the world to awareness of present being, doing what comes to you to do and continually shifting attention. That's how we exercise faith. Just doing what comes to you to do. You're not trying to avoid anything. You're not trying to control anything. You know, if I had if I had had the thought, oh God, you know, I really don't like it when that it's so embarrassing when that doctor is looking at me so closely. You know, I just really don't like that. I'm not going to go. That would have been listening to the mind. That would not have been doing what was natural, you see. Right. And so this is what we have to focus on. We focus on not listening to the mind and just following what comes naturally to do. That's how we put our faith in the teachings. And at some point through that process, the identification with the body is severed at the subconscious level. So again, it is a gross error to identify with the body and then make the body behave as if there is no world. To force behavior without any shift in identification will only result in additional suffering. Practice shifting attention from belief in the world to awareness of present being. Let the body be natural in harmony with attention. So um, I'll get a drink and then we will move on to number 264. Yeah, there's no reason for the spiritual path to make us more confused or less wise. And yet it does for so many of us, right? <laughs> we just need to, we need to be clear. We need to be clear on what's natural. And, and, you know, we don't have to dump that common sense, you know, like you don't have to quit brushing your teeth or uh, I, there actually was someone who quit going to the dentist for many, many years, uh, thinking somehow that um, Grace would take care of his teeth. And when he went, his teeth were in horrible condition and they didn't have to be, right? They didn't have to be. But common sense would tell you, you no, know, go every six months or at least once a year, right? And have your teeth cleaned and looked at, right? Um, at least common sense in this modern day and age when we can do that. Okay, so number 264 in the seven steps to a week awakening. There are dream consequences for the bad acts committed in the dream. Oh, here we go again about don't be stupid, right? There are dream consequences for the bad acts committed in the dream. And while you still take the dream to be the reality, you will suffer the consequences of your bad behavior. Do no evil and have no hate. Have equanimity towards everything. And this is talking about bad behavior. And, and that's important because another way, unfortunately, I, I wish what I was about to say was not true. <laughs> I really do. Uh, but another way that I have seen the ego get in there and twist the teachings. There were two people, they were a couple, and, and they were dear friends of mine on the spiritual path. 
I began to receive reports from other people of them stealing. Um, sometimes stealing quite a bit. They would they didn't have homes. They were living on God's grace, divine providence, that kind of thing. No, so the air quotes here. <laughs> God's grace, divine providence. So they didn't have homes. And what they did was they traveled and stayed with different people for as long as those people would let them stay there. And then they would go find somebody else to stay with. And I started receiving reports of them stealing. Well, they came to my house and uh, I talked to them about it. Um, I asked them, you know, if it was true, I told them I'd heard this. I gave them specifics that I'd heard and I'd asked them if, if it was true. Interesting that they, they didn't lie, but they revealed their confusion by saying um, they were stealing I can't remember the stealing for forgiveness, I believe was the exact term they used. They were stealing for forgiveness that by taking, they were giving these other people opportunities to forgive something. Um, you know, it's a shame that our minds can become so freaking and twisted. You know, and I've heard people say, although they these particular people never do it, but I've heard people say, like in gatherings, well, you know, if there's no good, no bad, then why don't we just murder, murder people? <laughs> you know, they wouldn't do it. They're just talking. They're just resisting the fact that there's no good and no bad. But what this what this is pointing out is that there is this other way that the mind can become twisted when we learn that the world is not real. And somehow it it, it seems to be condoning behavior um, that shouldn't be condoned, right? It just shouldn't be condoned. It's, it's not in any way helpful to anyone. It, it causes additional suffering. It's not helping anyone to awaken. Well, maybe, I mean, if you stole from, from someone and they really did use it, then, then you know, it, it might actually help them, but that doesn't mean you should take it upon yourself to steal. You get my point? It's not your job to provide that lesson. There are thieves out there. If the lesson needs to be provided, it'll find its way, right? So to those of us on the spiritual path, who's reading this book, right? <laughs> to those of us on the spiritual path, even though there's no such thing ultimately as good and bad, that does not relieve us of the responsibility of trying to be good. Isn't that a funny paradox? There's nothing authentic that says steal. There's nothing authentic that says lie. There's nothing authentic that says, you know, push that person down like they're a little worm. You know, Not, there's nothing authentic that does any of that stuff. And our job is to live from that which is authentic to the best of our ability. So it's not really that we're being good for the sake of being good we're being authentic for the sake of being authentic does that make sense right does that make sense so so we are doing our best to live in accordance with that which has no name but you know we might call it god we might call it spirit we might call it truth we might call it reality you know we want to live in line with that. And so in that way, for that reason, we are very conscientious about our actions. We're very conscientious about our words. Now, at the same time, everybody slips, um, primarily with our words. And, and you, know, uh, you know, you could get annoyed at someone and snap at them. But as you know, when you see that, then the best thing to do is to um, forgive yourself, if possible, apologize, and then inquire, learn from it. What was it that for an instant, you know, I was unconscious and I snapped? Um, this morning, someone snapped at me just real fast. And it was funny because this person doesn't usually do that. But what I could see instantly was that uh, for just a moment, 
um, it's like that fear of being found out that somehow you aren't who you appear to be arose for him, right? That fear that you're going to be found out arose. And as a, as a result of being afraid that he was going to be seen or seen through, but seen for what he really was, he snapped. Now, I was able to see that, so it wasn't a big deal. But it's important when we're on the spiritual path that if we snap, that we go back and look at ourselves and find out why. Only because then we can learn. Then we can transcend it through awareness. So even though I'm talking about, you know, being authentic and living in alignment with that authenticity, I also want you to know that there's a pathway for forgiveness learning, and therefore more authenticity through your mistakes. You know, your mistakes are actually a pathway. They're not where you just screwed up, you know, where you just blew it, where you failed, right? They're a pathway to more authenticity because you learn more about yourself and more about why you slip away from the authentic place that you want to be. So I'm going to read the quote again, and then we'll look and see what I wrote in the journal. The quote says, there are dream consequences for the bad acts committed in the dream. And while you still take the dream to be the reality, and remember, this is at a subconscious level, right? While you still take the dream to be the reality, you will suffer the consequences of your bad behavior. You know, if you walk out in traffic, Without This isn't even bad behavior. It's just foolish behavior. But if you walk out in traffic without looking both ways, you could get hit by a car, right? So there are dream consequences for the bad acts committed in the dream. And while you still take the dream to be the reality, you will suffer the consequences of your bad behavior. Do no evil and have no hate. Have equanimity towards everything. All right, let's see what I wrote in the journal. While the mind, body, world, illusion persists, there will be temptations. Every temptation comes from belief that mind, body, world are reality. To believe illusion as if it is reality, is the cause of suffering. So I'm going to read that again and then move forward. So while the mind-body-world illusion persists, there will be temptations. Every temptation comes from the belief that mind-body-world are reality. To believe illusion as if it is reality is the cause of suffering. Do not deny the pull of temptation when it is present but do regain some sense of sanity. Check with your heart. Practice self-inquiry. Be aware of core, present being. True spiritual practice removes every temptation and sets you free from the mind-made illusion of suffering. So when I see temptation here, um, I'm thinking about the temptation to have a grievance against someone, not the temptation not to like someone, the temptation to avoid someone or to avoid a situation, uh, the temptation to be pissed off, to be a butthead, <laughs> the temptation to, um, what else? Lie, exaggerate, um, not to go to the doctor when the doctor texts and says come right? The temptation to act with the ego instead of with our authenticity, instead of with our truth, in whatever way that temptation may arrive, may arise. So I'm not necessarily talking about eating six donuts, but guess what? It could be that too. 
because we eat six donuts usually out of unworthiness or out of anxiousness or, you know, I mean, out of ego, right? I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think the body ever really asks us to eat six donuts. It's the mind. The body asks us to eat. But I don't think it asks for six donuts or whatever. I'm just using those as an example, right? That's the mind. So this is saying that as long as that subconscious identification with the body, that subconscious identification with the mind, that subconscious identification with the world exists, there are going to be these temptations to act with ego. And if you can do it, and obviously I could because it's in my journal, is for some people, the word temptation may have a a very negative connotation to it. Like if you're even tempted, you're bad, right? You have to get rid of that. <laughs> you have to get rid of that or this teaching is not going to be helpful. It just means it's something that you are tempted to do that you don't have to do. You don't have to. You aren't required to do it, right? It's a pull, but it's a pull that you can say no to. And so that's why it says, you know, check with your heart, right? Do I really want to have a grievance against so-and-so because she did such and such? Is that what I really want? Check. You know, if you check, you might find, actually, I don't really want that grievance. Now, that doesn't necessarily heal everything, but it might then lead you to the next step that like, okay, let me journal on this. Let me look at this a little deeper. Let me see if I can find another way of seeing it, right? But if you don't even check and ask, you might just have the grievance, you see? So that's just falling for the temptation. So it's helpful to see these things as temptations if you, because a temptation is something you don't have to do. You're merely being tempted to do it, but you don't have to do it. You're not required to do it, right? So do I want to, you know, do I want to have this grievance? Do I really want to eat six donuts, right? It's, it's checking within with your heart first. So do not deny the pull of temptation. Of course, that's not helpful. If you deny it, you're probably going to fall for it, to be honest. You need to admit, you know, I'm feeling, I'm really feeling here like I want to cut her out of my life. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of her. I want to cut her out of my life, but I can tell that's ego. I can tell that's ego. Now, is that what I really want to do? Do I really want to fall for the ego? Right? It's just, it's just pausing, looking, questioning. Do not deny the pull of temptation when it is present, but do regain some sense of sanity. You hear that? That's what the questioning is, right? You're regaining some sense of sanity. Check with your heart. Practice self-inquiry. You know, that's another way to look at it is, um, you know, whatever she, whoever she is and whatever she did, you know, I've, okay, all right. So let's look at this energy, this annoyance, this wanting to cut her out of my life, sick and tired of her. This is an energy, you know, I can feel this energy and I can feel it, you know, maybe it's just like right here. I can just feel it. And maybe it's here too, here and here. And I can feel this energy, you know, and, and, and notice again, notice that I can even see, I can kind of see the edges of this energy. You know, I can feel it here. I can feel it here. Maybe I even feel it here in my throat a little bit because I want to say stuff to her. So I feel it here, feel it here. I feel it here where I'm hurt, um, but I don't feel it in my thumb. I don't feel it in my foot. I'm aware of this, uh, this yuckiness. I'm aware of this. I'm aware of this. I'm also aware of my thumb. I'm aware of my foot. I'm aware of the ringing in my ears. I'm aware of the birds chirping, where of the dog moving around on the bed. So is it true that I'm consumed with this? Or is this just one part of what's here within awareness? 
Am I in this? Or is this just something that's within I, awareness? And there's so much else here too, like the birds chirping. You know, you, you look at it. Looking at it like that can dissolve a grievance, right? So this is saying somehow regain some sense of sanity. Maybe you check with your heart. Maybe you practice self-inquiry, become aware of core present being. You know, maybe you journal, right? But do something. Do something that's helpful. Do something that shifts your attention. Do something that clarifies instead, instead of say, staying all sucked up in that insanity, right? Do something that clarifies. So again, the seven steps to awakening says there are dream consequences for the bad acts committed in the dream. And while you still take the dream to be the reality, you will suffer the consequences of your bad behavior. Do no evil and have no hate, right? Stay in line with the authenticity. Do no evil and have no hate. Have equanimity towards everything. And the journal says, while the mind, body, world, illusion persists, there will be temptations. I actually love that. You know, I'm, <laughs> some people are like, oh my God, there's going to be temptations. I love it because again, another way that we're foolish when we're on the spiritual path is somehow thinking that like starting right now, I'm going to be perfect. It's helpful when it says there will be temptations. This is saying, actually, you won't be. Right? Actually, you won't be. And that's that's true for everybody. This isn't, this is, even though this is in my journal, this is true for everybody. This isn't just for Regina, you know. While the mind, body, world illusion persists, there will be temptations. Okay, it's gonna happen. So if we accept it in advance, then and, and, and think about it in advance, kind of prepare in advance. No, there's going to be times when I'm going to want to hold a grievance at, at someone. You know, there's going to be times when I'm going to want to lie about something. There's going to be times when I'm going to want to, you know, maybe the cashier doesn't, gives me too much change and I'm going to be tempted to keep it, right? I mean, these things are going to show up. What I want to do before they happen is realize that when they happen, what I really want to do is regain my sanity. You know, you think about it in advance. It's a prepared mind. I know these things are going to happen, but I'm preparing myself. So when they happen, I want to be focused on regaining my sanity in whatever way is helpful in the moment. I know that's what I want to do, right? So I am literally looking at this in advance. You know, there's a, a saying, chance favors a prepared mind. Chance favors a prepared mind, which means in some cases by pre-contemplating things, we are better able to meet the situation when the situation arises than if we hadn't pre-contemplated it. So if we think about the fact, if we're aware of the fact that there are going to be temptations, they are going to show up. And we also think about the fact that, you know, I want to have as much sanity as, as I can whenever these things show up. I want to return my attention to sanity. And we think about this in advance, then we are much more likely when they arise to go through those situations in the way that we really want to. Because we have a prepared mind, right? Chance favors a prepared mind. If we had never thought about it, never contemplated it, we're much more likely to fall for the temptation. So while the mind, body, world illusion persists, there will be temptations. Every temptation comes from the belief that the mind, body, world are reality. 
You know, why do, why am I tempted to have a grievance? Because I think I'm separate from her and I'm more important to me than she is, right? I mean, that's, that's the reason we have any grievance right there. Okay. I'm more important to me than that person is. <laughs> End of story. Um, you know, why would I be tempted to keep too much change? You know, if the cashier gives me too much change, well, heck, I can use the money. You know, <laughs> I, you know I, I can use that more than that big company. You know, I need this, you know, extra $20 more than Walmart does, right? Or whatever, right? It's all, it's all, it's all separation. It's believing in the mind, body, and world every time, every time. So while the mind, body, world illusion persists, there will be temptations. Every temptation comes from belief that the mind, body, world are reality. Now to believe illusion as if it is reality is the cause of suffering. So if I just keep falling for this stuff when it shows up, I'm just going to keep suffering, right? Now do not deny the pull of temptation. Don't out of some I am bad thought say, oh, I can't admit to myself that I wanted to steal or I can't admit to myself that I wanted to have a grievance or... I can't admit to myself that I feel like I don't like her. Don't do that because that's not helpful. Do not deny the pull of temptation when it is present. That's not helpful. Do regain some sense of sanity. Shift into inquiry, right? Check with your heart. Practice self-inquiry. Be aware of core present being. True spiritual practice removes every temptation and sets you free from the mind-made illusion of suffering. And true spiritual practice here, the way I read that is sincere spiritual practice, right? When I know I'm coming from what I really want. There's a difference, another place where people get confused there's a difference between spiritual practice because I know it's what I want and spiritual practice because it's how I think I be good. You know, there's a difference. So, you know, in a way today, the way these quotes are showing up in a way today where we appear to be talking about being good, right? I mean, that's, that's what these quotes are looking at. I called it being with integrity uh, or being with authenticity, but what we're really talking about is following what I know I really want. Being in harmony with myself instead of my ego. And so if you choose to follow this practice, and I've seen this happen many, many times. You don't want to be confused that you're following the practice in order to be good. If you think, for example, there's this temptation to have a grievance, right? I want to be angry at her. I can feel I want to be angry at her. But if I do, I'm bad. Therefore, I'm going to inquire. It actually doesn't work. Because the intention is incredibly powerful. But if you feel you have a, a temptation to be angry at her, and you know in your heart you don't want to be angry at anyone, no matter what. And then you inquire. It has a completely different result. Because the intention is critical. So even though it appears that we're talking about being good, it's really important for you to remember that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being in alignment with our heart, with our true self, with what we want. Instead of being aligned with our ego right? Which we know we don't want, right? That's why you guys are here. You know you don't want that, right? So we're just talking about being aligned with what we want instead of being aligned with what we don't want to be aligned with. It's that simple. It's a matter of, of choice. It's a matter of what I want. And again, that changes everything. I remember someone once said to me when we were having a similar conversation, she said, I don't know. She goes, it feels good to be mad at so-and-so. And, -so. and um, first of all, I was, I'll confess, I was shocked. But I was already to the point where I could see that it didn't feel good. I could tell that it was painful to be angry at someone. 
but it, if somebody still feels, it feels really good to be mad at her or him or whatever. You know, like the president feels really good to be mad at the president. Look at that and see if that's true. You know, I live in a pretty conservative town. And so we have these uh, signs that people hang on their houses. And I guess they forget there's children in the neighborhood. You know, the signs say um, F-U-C-K Biden. And I'm sure those people think that there's a self-satisfaction in that hatred. I'm going to call it hatred. If you put a big banner on your house, it says F-U-C-K anyone. It's got to be hatred behind it, right? <laughs> so, so I'm going to call it hatred. So they probably think this hatred feels good. So sometimes what you have to do is you have to compare that to something that genuinely feels good. For example, we also have a lake here. A lot of these people have boats. They go fishing. Does it really feel as good? Does, does hating the president really feel as good as sitting on your boat when the sun's coming up fishing? You know, sometimes you have to compare because we get confused about what feels good, right? So you have to find something that you know feels good for you. Does, does having this grievance against this person really feel good? Or, you know, it, it, is sitting on my back porch, is that what feels good? You know, and you kind of have to compare. And what you'll see is it's disguised as feeling good, but it's actually a form of suffering. Right? You can actually see it if you do the comparison. There's no peace in it. It's absent of peace, right? There's no peace in it. And peace is what feels really good. So if you think you enjoy hating someone, if you think you enjoy controlling someone, if you think you enjoy any of these things, compare them to something that you know you enjoy, right? And you'll, and you'll feel the difference, right? Contrast is sometimes our best teacher. And then that will help you to see, oh, I don't really like hating the president. You know, I thought I did. I don't. What I really like is taking a walk. <laughs> I like that a whole lot better. Right? And it helps you to kind of break loose of some of these things. So uh, that takes us to 266. So 266. And the seven steps to awakening says, and this is all still the same teacher. This is all still Sri Anamalai Swami. Bad thoughts make bad dreams and good thoughts make good dreams. And if you have no thoughts, you don't dream at all. Well, that's nice. I'll read that again. Bad thoughts make bad dreams and good thoughts make good dreams. And if you have no thoughts, you don't dream at all. So let's see what I wrote in my journal at 266. By watching your thoughts and by discerning carefully the thoughts you choose to think, material experience can improve. This may appear to have some value, and this choice is not discouraged, but awakening to reality comes from the choice to release attachment to all thoughts. Pure being without discernment or choice accomplishes this goal, because pure being without discernment or choice is true presence. So when I started this spiritual path, um, I used to trust that I would be okay, you know, because there were a lot of things that scared me, you know, like I was one of those people that was guided to leave my job, for example. And when I was guided to leave my job, lots of fear about how I would be safe and how my daughter would be safe. And the way I enabled myself to move forward following guidance was by trusting that I would be okay. <clears throat> and like this says, you know, that's not to be discouraged. In fact, it, without that kind of trust, at some point, we probably wouldn't even get started on the spiritual path, right? But at some point, 
you see that you have to transcend that. Because the I in that sentence that's going to be okay is this mind-body personality. And really what the spiritual path is about is transcending the idea that I am this mind-body personality. <clears throat> and I can't cling to the, the trust that I will be okay, that grace will take care of me and let go of that at the same time. And so that's what this is pointing to. This is pointing to that, that kind of thing is helpful. I mean, first you have bad thoughts and you have this bad dream. And then you kind of learn to replace those bad thoughts with better thoughts, like trust that I'll be okay. But you're still dreaming. When you trust that I'll be okay, you're still dreaming that you're the body-mind personality. So at some point, you need to transcend that, right? And that's what this is pointing to. So again, 266 in my journal says, by watching your thoughts and by discerning carefully the thoughts you choose to think, material experience can improve. This may appear to have some value and this choice is not discouraged but awakening to reality comes from the choice to release attachment to all thoughts. So if I have, if I've been holding on to this thought, I'm going to be okay. God somehow is going to take care of me. And again, very helpful for a long time, right? Very helpful not to be discouraged, but at some point, you know, within yourself, when that starts to feel eh, like that's not right anymore then you have no thought as to whether this body-mind personality is going to be okay or not. You see? So you could say you shift from fear to trust to no thought. You don't even think about it anymore. You're just being in the moment, doing what comes to do now, and you're not thinking about the future in the way that requires you to think about the future. You're just not thinking about it anymore. By watching your thoughts and by discerning carefully the thoughts you choose to think, material experience can improve. This may appear to have some value and this choice is not discouraged, but awakening to reality comes from the choice to release attachment to all thoughts. Pure being without discernment or choice accomplishes this goal. That's just being here now with what is right now. No thought into the future or into the past, right? Just right here. Pure being without discernment or choice accomplishes this goal because Pure being without discernment or choice is true presence. And if you look at this, if you look at, let's look at two things. Let's look at awareness. Let's look at mind. Which one makes choices? Right? If you look, you can see it's mind. You know, wrong mind makes wrong minded choices. Right mind makes right-minded choices, but awareness doesn't make any, right? It just is. You can see that. So this doesn't mean now, again, we, since we've been talking about how the ego likes to screw up the teachings, this doesn't mean then that you're guilty for making right-minded choices, right? With the right mind, the right mind will continue to make right-minded choices. That's what the right mind does. But pay attention to see if you are the right mind or if the right mind is a mechanism within you, right? Are you really that right mind making choices or is the right mind doing what the right mind does and you are the, aware the choiceless awareness? Pay attention to that. Just look at that over and over and over again. You know, once upon a time, I thought that the sole purpose of the spiritual path was to learn to be the right mind instead of the wrong mind. 
And then I came to see that I was aware of both the right mind and the wrong mind, that I always have been beyond mind. Never was the wrong mind, never was the right mind. Always have been beyond mind, but just didn't see it. And so that's what this is pointing to. You've always been beyond even the right mind. By watching your thoughts and by discerning carefully the thoughts you choose to think, material experience can improve. This may appear to have some value, and this choice is not discouraged, but awakening to reality comes from the choice to release attachment to all thoughts. Pure being without discernment or choice accomplishes this goal. Notice it doesn't say mind without discernment or choice because mind is going to discern and mind is going to choose. This says pure being without discernment or choice. And notice pure being without discernment or choice already is, never has made a decision, right? Never has made a choice. Pure being without discernment or choice accomplishes this goal because pure being without discernment or choice is true presence, right? It's what you already are. So we have uh, two minutes left and I'm done. Not going to start anything new with two minutes. So is there somebody who would like to say something in this two minutes? Yes, George. Hi. Um, so would you say this beyond mind is, is that the first principle of God? Um, that's a good question. Uh, the reason that's a good question is consciousness is also before mind. So actually, uh, if you go high enough in the, in, in the, second principle of God, it's also before mind. So yes, the first principle is before mind, but the second principle, we could call it the beginning of the second principle, is also before mind. Thank you. Uh, who is that? That looks like uh, Jim. Whoops, I can't hear you, Jim. Yeah, thanks. Um, is um, so spiritual intuition? Would that be the right mind? Yes. Okay. Yes, and you can tell when you pay attention to spiritual intuition. It's a communication, right? It's not what you are. It's right. A, right. So you know, it's not what we are. And again, for a long time, I thought my goal was to become that. Right. But it's not. It's a communication. It's not what I am. Yeah. I, aware of. I I find that when I'm in that that silent place, that uh, intuition comes kind of more readily. Just kind of a knowing of spontaneous knowing of an acting, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's perfect. Like I said, the right mind's going to do what the right mind does. Yeah. You know, so uh, this isn't meant to say you know don't do that. Don't let the right mind be right minded. It's just saying, notice that you're the one that's aware of that. And, it, and it's almost like, it, it, you know, I used to think of spiritual intuition as a thought would come in. And, and at times it's more just action. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's inspired by that, but it's just kind of action well, that flows. Like, yeah, like when I teach, there is absolutely no, I mean, zero forethought to what i say all right right there's no gap i hear it the same time you hear it yeah right yeah. okay and yet i'm aware of it you know so i'm not it it's coming through me but right. i am not it right right thank you well thank you and i think that's it that's all the time we have so next week helen will be here which means i won't be so i'll be back in two weeks okay bye